Hey friends, it's John um, from the Open Door Presbyterian Church. Glad you're listening in. This is our weekly podcast. This week it is the sermon from this last Sunday. It was a sermon kind of setting the foundation for uh, an investigation into the practices of the Open Door. Our practices are listen, learn, eat, encourage, and give. Five really simple words that we're going to get into in the next month or so and really um, explore and rethink and redefine. This sermon sets that up. What is the church all about? Why are we? Um, Who are we? Um, Answer some of those questions and pose probably a whole lot more. So listen in and uh, let us know what you think. Check out our website, um, pghopendoor.net and connect with folks on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, The Open Door, and also a Facebook group, same name, um, The Open Door. And we're in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, if you're listening from somewhere else. Here we go. This is Acts chapter 2. Now, when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So this was preaching from Peter and the crowd was cut to the heart and said to Peter and to the other apostles, brothers and sisters, what should we do? Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, so that your sins may be forgiven and you will receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you, for your children, and for all who are far away, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to him. And he testified with many other arguments and exhorted them, saying, Save yourselves from this corrupt generation. So those who welcomed his message were baptized. And that day, about 3,000 persons were added. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and fellowship to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Awe came over everyone because many wonders and signs were being done by the apostles. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the goodwill of all the people. And day by day, the Lord added to their number those who were being saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be, Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. Last week, we began a series of sermons on the mission, the purpose, the practice of the church. We're going to stick with that for, for a few weeks here, as we, even as we get into uh, Lent. We identified three helpful principles last week for following in the way of Jesus. And those principles from the first chapter of Mark that we pulled out 
um, and from the, the book of James, where to commit to living with open hands in times of change, not grasping too tightly to what, uh, what we claim as ours or what we desire for ourselves. The second one was to commit to faithful action for those in need. And the third was to a commitment to culture transformation by the church. Today, we're going to hear what two of the greatest theologians of the past few hundred years um, said about the church, just a little snippet from them. We'll consider how creation and natural rhythms can inform our spiritual lives and the rhythms of the open door. And we'll also consider the earliest church, as we've just read from the book of Acts, and see how their daily spiritual rhythms created the church. John Calvin is that first theologian that I, that I want to talk about. John Calvin said, wherever we see the word of God purely preached and heard and the sacraments administered according to Christ's institution, there it is not to be doubted, a church of God exists. And there it is. The man who helped found the Reformation defines the church as a community where the word of God is preached and the sacraments are administered. And that's exactly what we see at the beginning of uh, chapter uh, of our reading from chapter two. Peter preached the truth of God's word. People were, quote, cut to the heart by God's word. People responded in the hearing and they were baptized. Word and sacrament. Baptism is the sacrament that demonstrates God making us a part of God's family. That is what happens throughout that chapter. 3,000 were added in one day. The book of Acts was written during a time of great upheaval in the Jewish religion and culture. Calvin also was writing during a time of great upheaval. The Reformation most massive change that happened in the church um, happened at that time. Everything about church and even culture uh, in Calvin's day changed. Everything um, that the first Christians knew about God was, was developing and changing as they came to understand Jesus as God's, uh, God's son. Everything was changing. Does that sound a little familiar to us? We have a lot of change in our lives right now. While our circumstances are very different, there's probably a lot we can learn from one of the greatest theologians and from the scriptures about times of change. Calvin writes about word and sacrament a lot, but what what about how the church um, re lives in the world? Calvin would have called our actions as followers of Jesus. And that's kind of what the second half of our scripture really gets into. What, is it, what did it look like for the Christians to live out this new faith, to live into their baptism? Calvin would have called that discipline or discipleship. Calvin talked about discipleship as the sinew by which the members of the body were held together. I love that idea. We are the body of Christ, made up of many parts, but drawn together as one, the church. We experience this through the sacraments, the Eucharist and, and baptism, especially the Eucharist, where we are drawn together 
um, and united with Christ as one body. But for Calvin, the living out of our faith in the day-to-day acts, um, uh, uh, you know, of our, of our normal days, that, that acted as the tendons, the ligaments, and the muscles that activated the body that activate the body of Christ. It's a fascinating metaphor. Without the sinew, the attachments, we are a dismembered church. I think we could consider many churches or at least many members of the church to be quite frail, out of shape, if not even dismembered because our action in the world is so little. Our discipleship is not what it could be. So for us to consider today, as we bring in new elders and deacons who serve as that sinew, is the open door in decent shape? Are we uh, getting our 10,000 steps in every day? Whatever that means. Are we a church that's active and seeking God through discipleship, through action, both spiritually in, in, our, in our souls, in our hearts, and missionally in the world? These questions bring to mind the need for spiritual and missional practices and rhythms in our lives. I like, I like uh, when we were talking about the practices many years ago, we, we were like, is that a good word, practice? And it's like, yes, what about ryth- spiritual rhythms? And we talked about that and kind of went back and forth, used them interchangeably. And I like this idea of practices being things we have to do over and over again. We get better at them, but the point isn't even necessarily getting better. It's, it's that they, they feed us, they, they, they form us, the practices. And I like the idea of rhythms um, because it's something we have to do constantly over and over throughout our lives. Spiritual rhythms. The universe and the natural world flows in constant cycles and rhythms from the migration of millions or billions of birds and animals around the world, the clockwork consistency of uh, geysers at Yellowstone. Raise your hand if you've ever seen geyser, a, a geyser like Old Faithful. It's called that because it's a, it's a cycle of nature and it's, it, it's a rhythm. The annual seasons of our planet that are, are predictable, the appearance of comets in our solar system, scientists know when they're coming and can, can predict this, the, the cycles throughout the universe. God's creation is experienced oftentimes in cyclical ways and ways of ever-changing beauty, but cyclical beauty. The whole universe is built in this way, spinning galaxies, stars, and planets. Things spin, cycle, rhythm. Nothing is linear. Very little is linear in God's creation. Everything seems cyclical. The cyclical nature of life seems like something we, when we're young, it's like hard to live into and really, really understand that. But I think as we get older, um, we see so much of life that returns over and over again. And we see more value in cyclical things. When I was a kid, I hated practicing things over and over again. Like uh, learning, I don't know, do, kids like are hardly even learning their multiplication, it seems these days. Teachers are not pushing that as much. 
uh, which bothers me quite a bit when my son doesn't know, uh, you know, eight times eight um, as quickly as I think he should. But those are important things, aren't they? Just re remembering things. And we hated those sorts of things as kids. But I think as adults, we begin to realize the, the nature of life being cyclical. To kids, summer vacation seems like this unbelievable thing we've been waiting for forever because a year felt like 10 years when you're 10 years old or five years old. And finally it comes, but we don't think about the rhythm of it coming over and over again throughout our lives. The cycles that I'm able to live into and, and many of you through gardening and experiencing nature through Garfield Community Farm has been rich for me. There are times where I feel overwhelmed by what is going on at the farm. May and June every year is about as much as I can take, but now it's a rhythm, it's a cycle. And I know that July slows down, August continues to slow down. And then there's a great restful time in November and December as the farm enters into to dormancy and the humans uh, also are able to rest. It's the way nature is designed. Ecclesiastes uh, chapter one, five through seven says, the sun rises and the sun goes down and hastens to the place where it rose. The wind goes toward the south and turns around to the north. The wind whirls about continually and comes again on its circuit. All the rivers run into the sea, yet the sea is not full to the place from which the rivers come. And there they return again the cycles of nature. Our spiritual lives exist within practices, within cycles and rhythms, going inward to connect with ourselves and connect with God, and going outward to give of ourselves to the world and to others. These rhythmic practices are like the cycles of nature, are like the cycles that God built into nature because we are nature. So it's only fitting that God created us to thrive with practices, with rhythms in our life, in our lives that, that draw us inward and that push us outward, that draw us inward and that push us outward. This practice of inward and outward focus can be experienced through something as simple as breath prayer. Not only is it a great like inward practice, maybe it's, it's something that you want to adopt a daily practice of doing a simple breath prayer. But it, it, it's, it grounds us spiritually and centers us, but it's also symbolic as we breathe in God's love and we breathe out love into the world. So that inward practice can ready our hearts with gratitude for God's love to be able to enter into the world in a loving way, to look for ways that we can bring God's love to those in our neighborhood who are in need, to a to myriad of ways uh, in the world that need to, that we can bring God's love. Our inward practices can prepare us to love God's creation.
So the Christian life and the life of a church can't exist without that balance of inward and outward focus. And in our scripture today, we, we see this happening. Uh, from the Acts passage, it says, they being the disciples and those who are being brought into the church, they devoted themselves to the apostles teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to the prayers. Those were practices, communal practices. And here's another practice. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as they had need. So they had inward communal practices of listening and learning, and they had eating as a practice also. And then they would give of their goods. They would sell what they had that they didn't need. They would sell their possessions and give to the poor, outward practices. John Calvin, again, would have said these practices and spiritual rhythms would bring sanctification to followers of Jesus. Now, this word sanctification is kind of a big one that we don't use every day, and maybe it carries a lot of baggage with it for some of you. But what does he mean by that? Sanctification is the process of being made holy. Maybe that carries some baggage too. Okay, it's the process of following in the way of this man, Jesus, who happened to be the son of God. Following in the way of Jesus brings about becoming more like Jesus. That's what sanctification is, becoming more like Jesus, following in the way of Jesus, living a bit more like Jesus is sanctification. That's what our practices that we'll be learning about over the next few weeks, continuing to go into and rethink, that's what they're about, being made more like Jesus. For the great 20th century theologian, Karl Barth, the church is a place of communion between God and humanity through the work of the Holy Spirit. There's a whole shelf of books right behind me. Maybe you can see them. They're the colorful ones. Um, <laughs> a whole shelf of Karl Barth's church dogmatics right behind me. I haven't read them all. Uh, if you want to read the dogmatics, want to read a whole bookshelf, please let me know. Um, and I'd be happy to share these books. He was one of the greatest theologians of the 1900s. Um, if you're looking at reformed theology, he really pushed the boundaries. The simplest way to think about Bart's understanding of the church is that the culmination of the Christ event happens in the church when God and humanity are brought together in relationship. It's called unity with Christ. For Bart, one purpose of the church is to bring that union with Christ. So for Calvin and Bart, the sacraments are when we celebrate the unity of Christ and the church, Christ and ourselves. And that's why we take communion every Sunday. We hear the word, we engage with the scriptures through the Holy Spirit. And we meditate on God's word and we take communion, believing we are united with Christ through that sacrament. And then to, fit, to, to finish up this sermon, then what happens nobody talks about much. Then we have a benediction. And I love that that is an important part of our worship. The benediction is what sends us 
from that space of worship, from that space of union with Christ, out into the world. Through the benediction each Sunday, the prayer at the end, we're sent out into the world, into our, into our daily lives to do what it is we've prayed about and thought about and heard about. We make real the work of Christ in the world. Through the benediction, we're invited to be followers of Jesus, not just hearers. We're sent, we are a sent people into a world that, thanks be to God, is soaked in the love of God. And it's our job to simply point it out, to be like signposts of God's kingdom, pointing out God's love that is throughout creation. Over the next six weeks, we'll focus on those five practices of the open door, the practices we've defined over the years, listening, learning, eating together, encouraging one another, and giving. For this week, let's not go too deeply into those five, but simply begin to make an intention for ourselves, maybe for our families, to practice some way of quieting yourself, to listen for God, in one simple way, taking, taking something like a breath prayer and having an intention to do that on a daily basis. Maybe it's reading a passage of scripture daily. Whatever it may be, I encourage you to make an intention for yourself. If you have no idea what it could or should be, I'm going to put into the chat in a minute a few places where you can get ideas. Make an intention of a practice that helps you draw inward toward God and toward yourself. And then make a, a commitment to a practice that helps you go outward. Maybe it's as simple as, as uh, joining twice a month the Valley View Food Pantry that I announced at the beginning of worship. Maybe it means um, checking on that neighbor who is so easy to not pay attention to because they're difficult but they obviously need, have needs. Maybe it's to do that more regularly and show God's love to them, whatever it may be. Um, make an intention for something that will bring you in and something that will push you out. Let me put these in the chat right now and let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, we thank you that you have called us out by name, that you have made us your children, and we know that through baptism, that you draw us to Jesus through uh, the sacrament of the Lord's Supper each week. We thank you that you love us and that you send us out into the world to demonstrate that love. Through Jesus, you do this. We thank you. Amen. Thanks for listening again. We'll be back next week. And um, on our website, there's uh, always info to join our worship gathering live um, on Sunday mornings on Zoom. Um, it's a open to everybody. You don't have to uh, be a pre-COVID member of the Open Door or anything like that, but this is how we are gathering as a church um, during these months and weeks of uh, having to 
not be in a small building together you know, crammed in the same space we're staying safe and we invite you to do that with us so check out pghopendoor.net and you can get info on our worship gathering have a great week